You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 161. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. We're coming to you with our special 2022 predictions episode, including a look back at our 2021 predictions on Bitcoin, gold, SPACs, the U.S. and Canadian markets, cannabis stocks, government handouts, and more. We look forward to our bold predictions for 2022 on small caps and dividend stocks, Brennan's basketball pool, the Canadian, the Canucks trade deadline activity, and how inflation will continue to be a hot-button issue, at least for the first half of the year. At the end, we're going to tag on question from a listener on Fire and Flower Holdings Corp., symbol FAF, on the TSX, a technology-powered adult-use cannabis retailer with 102 corporate-owned stores in its network. We'll let you know how the company screens using our criteria. So I'd like to welcome my co-hosts, Brennan and Aaron. How was your first kind of partial week of 2022 how did it treat busy. you it was very busy lots to do when we start the year uh busy time for the markets but really there's just a lot of research to get a handle on right now i'm doing the uh the canadian dividend all-star report where we basically look at every dividend stock every stock in canada on the canadian market that pays a dividend uh, and and you know weed those down to about 20 25 companies that are on our top tier monitor list and then about another 15 or so stocks um, that are actually under coverage in our in our top picks list. So that's uh, that's busy. It's exciting. I have noticed that there's there's some new entrants to the dividend arena in Canada. Um, some of them are, are rather early stage, um, but certainly worth uh, worth some investigation. So that makes it exciting. Um, and we did uh, one of the companies that uh, will be in the report was actually recommended in December. So. Um, that's, um, that's a company that gives us some exposure to the copper space, which is not necessarily an area that we have invested in heavily in the past, just due to our, our aversion to, um, companies that are so exposed to commodity prices. But I think there's some good arguments to have some exposure to copper, including it's, um, it's use in electrification and renewable energy. So a lot of exciting things happening this year. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting, higher risk, but interesting company we've added to our, yeah, added to our uh, dividend coverage, pays a significant dividend, 5%, and has upped that over the course of the year, I believe. So, um, you know, interesting addition to that coverage. We'll probably look at some more additions and at least, uh, or some re-recommendations of existing companies that have come into ranges that we like. Uh, myself and Brennan are actually doing our full CDAR sweep where we look at 3,500 companies a couple times a year. We're looking at that now about 30% through that, coming out with a cash-rich report. But we're also pulling out uh, different types of names, anything you know, and that we may put together a report with anything to do with Bitcoin or crypto-related stocks in Canada. Uh, we're pulling out all gold and metals companies, all SaaS-based businesses too. So just potentially pulling out some mini, mini reports that we can do based on the research of looking at you know literally every company in Canada. Uh, powering through that over the course of this month, doing some interviews by the end of this month and uh, likely trying to push that out as soon as we can to begin the year. Uh, And that on the heels of doing a U.S. report where we just looked at about uh, 3,500 companies in the U.S., a tax-rich report or a tax-loss selling report that we put out right at the end of December, same time that we put out the uh, the U.S. NASDAQ under $2 billion market report. So it is a busy time of year. 
But let's keep this conversation going here. We want it free-flowing. We're going to start and look back at our top predictions for 2021 and now our predictions going forward into 2022. I'm going to start with Aaron's number one prediction last year, at least the first prediction he made. Uh, He said there's a 90% chance that the U.S. market will outperform the U.S or that U.S. market will outperform the Canadian market over the course of 2021. So he allowed a 10% chance that the Canadian market would outperform. Um, yeah, I mean, that was, I think we will look back, it was just based on the data. I think over the last decade, the Canadian market had outperformed the U.S. market just once in that 10-year time frame. So let's look at how Aaron did on that. Well, the S&P 500 was up 26 Point eight in that in that range, twenty six percent. The S and P TSX composite eighteen. So the Canadian or U S market outperformed. So Aaron goes one for one on that prediction. Any comments on your big win there? Yeah. So um, interesting point to make here is that one of the reasons why I discussed that the Canadian market has been perpetually, at least over the last decade, nine out of ten years, underperforming the U S market by a fairly high margin. Uh, is the the overconcentration we have to two sectors in particular. So that's resources and financials. And then the underexposure we have to what I consider to be one of the most exciting sectors, which is technology. Uh, and this is the opposite in the U.S. Technology is by far the most important sector in the U.S. stock market. Resources, financials as well, fairly important resources, less so. Um, now, the U.S. market did continue to outperform by a fairly strong margin this this last year, led once again by technology largely. Um, but the TSX, its exposure to resources actually helped it post what was a very strong year of performance in 2021 uh, because we saw higher higher energy prices. We saw um, you know higher higher stock prices for oil and gas companies and also for for mining as well. So resources really helped the TSX in 2021 as opposed to hindering it. But this is a very volatile space. So over time we've seen it you know really come up and down. And in most years, certainly over the last decade, it has not helped the TSX returns. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Uh, it 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 was a strange year in that respect. I, I mean, certainly oil and gas and energy helped, and then base metals, gold, which you know was you know roughly flat to slightly down on the year. Gold shares actually performed very poorly, so uh, kind of a drag on the metals and mining. But overall, because of the base metals um, and metals outside of gold, really. And gold stocks and the stocks associated with those metals, uh, the the overall gain was positive in terms of metals and mining on the TSX over the past year. So um, Aaron goes one for one there. Let's move on to Brennan, his number one prediction. Now, I'm going to say this is not designed to throw shade at Brennan, which, I mean, you all sure know I have no problem doing here. <laughs> but 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 his first, it ends up well in the end, Brennan, we'll get to it, but but it was his first ever prediction. And when I listened back to the show, last year's show at this time, the prediction was a bit cumbersome in terms of the way it was framed or stated. Um, let's just say, so Brennan predicted, I would predict I, actually that Brennan will be more polished in his predictions in 2022. That's my first prediction here. But Brennan stated in his prediction that safe haven assets, I'll put that in quotes, will perform well in 2021. Uh, and that metals and mining stocks will perform well as a result, specifically referencing base metals. Now, Aaron then questioned him on what he meant in terms of safe haven assets. He stated, again, he meant base metals, Bitcoin. So we went on to kind of say that metals and Bitcoin would not be considered safe haven. Uh, and then we went back and forth with a few jabs. It was kind of funny. And I, I was listening and laughing last night. Um, we sort of settled on the crux of what Brennan was trying to say is that hard assets would outperform with inflation c- creeping in. Uh, and the stocks that plied their trades in these base metals would outperform. So we'll scrap the safe haven assets from that prediction and go with base metals. We'll do well. Um, in and as a prediction for 2021, and if we look back, copper up on the year, lead up on the year, uh, nickel up, zinc. So the base metal stocks did well. Now, did the mining stocks and exploration stocks um, 
that essentially ply their trade in these base metals perform well. Well, you look at the S&P TSX Global Base Metals Index, and it gained around 22%, just over 22% in 2021. So let's give Brennan the win on this one. Ooh. Yay. Go, yeah. Brennan. Well done. Thank you. I have note, too, the TSX Metal and Mining Index was up just 9.5% on that year. Again, I think that's what I was talking about in terms of you saw strength in base metals because the gold stocks, however, the stocks overall performed quite poorly in uh, 2021. It dragged down the overall gains because you see the global base metal index was up 22%, but the mining metals and mining index was only up 9.5% uh, on the TSX. And this is a surprise so. to to a lot of gold bugs who would have expected yes. in, in a period of such uncertainty, in a period of inflation, um, government stimulus and money creation, they would have expected gold to have tremendous years in 2020 and 2021, which did not happen. So, you know, many of these people are now saying, well, that means that gold and gold stocks are incredibly undervalued today. But they were saying the same thing back then as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the funny thing is we we actually didn't uh, recommend a, like, a traditional gold producer to start the year. We we recommended a company that uh, has exposure to gold, but is not is a, mo- a miller, not a miner. And uh, I mean, it turned out to be a, cr- a tremendous years for that company specifically. Uh, I mean, we've talked about it on the show before. Dynacor saw its shares up seventy percent last year, um, really bucking the trend in anything related to gold because it just produced tremendous cash flow, upped its dividend twice over the course of the year, tremendous growth in the business. So we were able to kind of, you know, the gold price stayed relatively in the same range. That's good for that business. And uh, the stock price certainly outperformed almost everything essentially in the gold segment. And we continue to like that company going forward. Um, but, you know, we're looking right now, at, there is probably some better value in some gold stocks, but, you know, the the price of gold will be, you know, predictive of the sector overall in terms of the sh- share prices. If it stays flat or moves higher, uh, good gold companies can do well. If it moves lower, even if these companies do everything right in 2022, the share prices likely won't do as well. So I'm going to look at my first prediction from last year. I said the SPAC market will heat up in 2021, but at some point in 2021, the average SPAC share price will collapse. So I I have to say at the start of the year, uh, SPACs, I'm just going to say, when I say SPACs, um, I should define them. Last year, Aaron referred to them as spanks, <laughs> which uh, really could be some foreshadowing as they took a spanking in the market over the past year. Now, the special what is a SPAC? Uh, it's, it's also known as a blank check company. They're set up with no commercial operations, and strictly they raise capital through like an IPO, initial public offering, for the purpose of acquiring another business. Now, let's see how that prediction held up. At the start of the year, market was tremendously hot for SPACs, uh, as predicted. Uh, there was the, they mostly went public SPACs in the U.S. We'll look at them globally as well, but they raised a total of about 160 billion this year, accounting for 28 percent of the total proceeds raised by U.S. IPOs. Again, SPACs had a roller coaster ride. Investor enthusiasm for the beginning of the year it turned into disappointment, uh, and there's poor returns throughout the year. The main SPAC exchange traded fund, the Defiance Next Gen SPAC derived ETF, is down and was down 25% in 2021 after peaking in February. So, to me, that sounds like a win. Now, I referenced about five popular SPACs at this time last year. I referenced DraftKings, Skills, Virgin, Galactic, Open Door, and Perishing Square. Let's see how those companies did over the course of this year. Well, DraftKings was down 50%. Skills was down 72%. Virgin Galactic was down 51%. Open Door was down 59%. And the big winner here, Perishing Square, was down just 38%. So you can see the sector overall, when we look at that index uh, ETF, didn't do so well. Uh, These companies individually did very poorly over the course of 2021. 
I'm not saying SPACs are going away. The IPO pipeline for the first quarter of 2022 is strong. Their social media platform, Reddit, uh, transportation startup, Via. Uh, there's a software maker, Cohesity. Uh, there's a number of firms slated to go public through SPACs in 2022. Um, I would say that I would, you know, I would look closely at this sector. I'm going to have a prediction going forward in terms of what we could see, and it's not really a sector, but in terms of companies going forward or public via a SPAC structure in 2022, and whether or not there is value created by these companies in the near term. But again. We all went one for one on our, our first predictions. That's great to see. You bet. If I could also just add on the SPACs too, um, Yahoo Finance ended up posting a really cool chart uh, not too, too long ago on Instagram. I believe it was about six days ago. And it's interesting just seeing the explosion of SPACs uh, you know, going to the market over in 2020 and then 2021. Like in 2020, uh, we basically saw about 500 IPOs uh in the U.S. market, half of those would have been defined as SPACs, essentially. And then in 2021, we saw about a thousand IPOs, and I would say, you know, about uh, maybe 55 to 60 percent of those. I'm just rough eyeballing on this chart here. About 55 to 60 percent of those were SPACs. So it's very, very interesting that we're seeing, you know, just such an explosion. Uh, in that there's an explosion in IPOs overall and certainly mm-hmm. the percentage of those exploded in terms of exactly. SPACs and, um, and but yeah if anyone's and it's well just, in a heated market right yeah, with valuations sure. so high yeah um, companies are looking at the public markets are able to get a lot of money out of out of going public and selling shares so um, it's generally when valuations are so high it's often seen as not the best time to buy um, yeah, I mean, it can. It no could way. be a predictor of a top. Exactly, in the but market. that's 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 not. I mean, we would advise against trying to time the market based on based on valuation. We're always looking at individual mm-hmm. companies and what they're doing, and a company can trade at a valuation in excess of the market and still be undervalued, depending on what the underlying fundamentals and growth prospects are for that company. For sure. Yeah, and, and again. The SPACs that I talked about there, and this time last year, DraftKings, Skills, Virgin Galactic, Open Door, Perishing Square, all very well publicized. You heard all—they were all over the markets. You heard them on, you know, uh, BNM Bloomberg. You heard about them on in the U.S. on CNBC. Any of the big networks. Um, tremendous destruction of capital in that sector, or those companies that went public via this methodology last year. Uh, and it's, you know, it, it's just a, it's a cautionary tale. Um, hot, hotter than hot companies, often not the best companies in the near term to invest in. There may be a time when they become on sale or come to a better valuation, but it certainly wasn't when they were uh, released as SPACs and in the following you know, days and months after, uh, you see when you look back a year, these companies destroyed a lot of capital over the course of the year, which is uh, in contrast to the general markets or, or overall. And it wasn't as much the general markets as much as the biggest in big tech that powered the S&P 500 forward over the past course of the year. So there was this stealth correction going on in other companies outside of those big, largest of the large companies that we kind of... Um, We've touched on that before uh, in the past on this on this show. So I'm going to look at my second prediction here um, from last year. Or no, sorry, we'll look at Brennan's first. That is that Bitcoin will not replace gold as a safe haven investment, but will perform well into the end of 2021. Well, Bitcoin remains more vo- volatile than gold, but gold was down. T- 5.5% over the past year and Bitcoin was up 46.5%. So, I mean, I would say in terms of not replacing gold as a safe haven, correct in terms of it's still far more volatile, but in certainly in terms of an investment, it did far better over the course of this last year. So, but his, his second half of the prediction, uh, certainly saying that Bitcoin will uh, outperform or you said it will perform well. I don't think you said it will outperform gold. Just gold perform well. It did perform well in 2021. So we're going to give you the win on that one, Brennan. Woohoo. 
Thank you. And just just to keep things in a context here, um, Bitcoin has pulled back since uh, since November. Um, it, it reached a high of about sixty seven thousand per coin, and down today, I believe around forty three. Yes, around forty three thousand per coin. So very volatile. Continues to be very volatile. So Aaron, it leads into Aaron's second prediction here. Bitcoin bubble will start to burst in 2021. So at prediction, Bitcoin was almost 40,000 US. Uh, Bitcoin today, 43,400. Now, we, you know, this could be framed two ways. Aaron just said from its highs, it's come down significantly. Uh, it's been very volatile over the course of the year, but not crashed. So, you know, maybe we say this one is a push uh it's but over the course of 2021 it certainly did not crash um it certainly didn't have a tremendously strong uh year from that prediction point to today which was into the year no, and at one point i mean at one point uh for example in april it was up at about sixty-three thousand per coin and then by by july it had lost it had lost over half of its value so you know from the perspective of somebody who bought near the top and uh, made the choice to sell near the bottom, you could say that the bubble had burst. But yeah, I mean, it's just a very volatile, it's just a very volatile security, if you can call do, it security. I do agree, like over the long term too, like we're just seeing so much speculative money in all of these alternative coins and all of these NFTs. And, you know, I do agree. I like I do think there's going to be blood in the streets eventually, um, especially because these, these newer investors haven't really seen... Uh, you know, even myself, I haven't really seen, you know, a huge market pullback or correction, um, you know, despite COVID. But I mean, that's that, that wasn't even really a, a, you know, a sustained pullback. Uh, so I can't even really. Relate yeah. And there's cer there's certainly a, a different discussion that has to be had outside of the Bitcoins, the Ethereum's, the 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 big names in that segment. Um, the all the other altcoins or the coins around surrounding that there's going to be I mean there we don't have a use case for thousands and thousands of different coins in my opinion some of those you know are going to zero many of them have no value and are going to zero and that they'll be likely a bloodbath and you're already seeing that in some uh, of those coins now um, whether or not you know bitcoins the ethereums of the world continue to move higher over the long term a case can be made for that too as well um you know as far as investments again we always stress this if we don't see cash flow from an investment which is what we value an investment based on then we can't really value it so it's not something that we you know you can have a small portion portion of your portfolio and we're not going to advise in that area because our specialty is looking at individual businesses Valuing them based on current cash flow balance sheet and looking at their at them growing their cash flow going forward and growing the share price, uh, you cannot do that with a currency or a cryptocurrency or anything like that. So, um, it's not some area that we want to be uh, making recommendations. And we do these predictions for fun at the start of the year because many people are talking about these companies or the and, and these uh, alternative type investments. So I'm going to look at my second prediction here. It was on cannabis. Two parts, continued consolidation and opportunity in the U.S. market, potential favorable regulatory environment and positive investment sentiment. Uh, then I looked at the second part of this was consolidation in Canada, share rollbacks, further pain in many names in the Canadian market. So while 2021 started with a huge run-up in U.S. cannabis stocks, regulation has yet to come. It's been slower than most people projected, and the segment faced severe declines in the second half of 2021 in the U.S. market. Opportunities now likely exist, but the sector was down significantly in 2021. So on that half of the prediction, you have to take a loss. The index itself, the U.S., say the Horizons U.S. Marijuana Index, was down 32% on the year. In Canada, consolidation in the space did occur. Further pain was seen in most Canadian-based names. Uh, so it's kind of a 50-50 split on that prediction. Now, Brennan's third prediction here, uh, I think that it was pandemic <laughs> is in, as end is in sight by the end of 2021. Well, Brennan wrote here to me in his notes today. I say, well, I don't think I have to say much about this one. I was dead wrong. <laughs> Um, you know, it, we're still facing, you know, restrictions, lockdowns. So 
Well, it looked good potentially at this point last year for a potential end of this pandemic, uh, which we're all, you know, growing tired of in some respects, I believe. Um, it, you know, it didn't come to fruition throughout the course of 21. So we'll give Brennan a loss on that one. Unfortunately. Yes. Uh, now, Aaron, do you have your third prediction? Or do you want to go into that, or do you just want to sure. start going into Sure, so my into... third prediction was that Brennan would lose more than 75% of his stock debates in 2021. Well, that, that came And uh, as I said before, I, I, you know, when I made this prediction, it, I knew it was not a, it was a pretty safe prediction to make. Um, <laughs> you know, I... Guess it just, Since you were the judge for yeah, about well, yeah, 50% then, but, of those. You know, so. <laughs> Brennan outperformed even my expectations. I did go through the the podcasts um, over the last year. Um, I couldn't find a single debate that Brennan won, which... Uh, so I Brennan actually don't really think I won. Outperform. Yeah, I don't think I won, maybe. But. You know, I have, I have a vague memory of Brennan winning something at some point in time, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe this was from another was a year. Win. Maybe, yeah, I don't or just a strange dream that I had or something. Some yeah. I, I really don't know. But um, in, any ev- in any event, Brennan's loss rate was well above 75%. <laughs> so um, that, that prediction, to nobody's surprise, came true. Yeah. Sadly so. Any uh, comments, Brennan? Yes, excellent. Yeah, comments on your record. Um, it's a new year, and uh, it's a new me. Mm. So... Uh, oh. I like your optimism. I like it. And I do have, you know, one of my, my, one of my predictions for 2022 does involve Brennan and does involve the stock debate. So perfect. Mm. Well, I like a challenge. That's a teaser. That's what we like to call in the business. So should we get into our predictions or is there anything else you want to look back at? No, I think let's just get into the predictions. All right. Well, I'm going to, can I start with a prediction here? You bet. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm just looking for it in my notes here. Okay. My prediction number one here is that Brennan will acquire a girlfriend in 2022. Unfortunately, when we ask her to come on the show to congratulate Brennan and, of course, warn her, we will be ghosted, as the kids say, and eventually she will be identified as imaginary. Wow. What a cr- I did not expect that, actually. At first, wow. I thought this was a very <laughs> bold prediction, but then as it ended, I was like, oh, yeah. I can see that happening. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that was a curveball. Can, can we, should, should we identify that, or should we tell the listeners that you're actually dating somebody out there? You think so? Because we just I mean, did. You, did. you just did. <laughs> <laughs> can we have her listen to this episode and actually prove You know the funny thing? You know the funny thing? I actually hung out with her a couple days ago and uh, I told her that I was on a podcast. Be careful what you no, say. No, I, I will. I will. I told her that I was on a podcast and I realized it was a mistake because I, I don't want her to listen to me. Uh, no. You know, all prim and no. proper <laughs> with, uh, with Ryan and Aaron. Uh, so uh, it was a mistake on my part. This is you prim and proper? But, yeah. Yeah, I like to think so. Uh, so she'll probably be listening to I like that you this, think of yourself as not. prim. That's what. Yeah. I like that you think of yourself as prim. Yeah. So, okay, that, that was my uh, first prediction. Uh, Aaron, do you have any predictions you want to start off sure, with? Sure, I'm going to start uh, with a more serious prediction here. Um, <laughs> that wasn't serious? Are you kidding? Yeah, no. well, related to the economy or, or the stock market, which is, you know, the reason why people listen to the podcast. Brennan's dating is great for the Saskatoon certainly, market. Certainly, I'm telling certainly. you. Okay, so prediction number one. Um, I'm predicting that the COVID pandemic will peak sometime towards the end of the first quarter of 2022 and we will return to some semblance of normalcy before the end of the year now this may be more of a hope than an actual prediction um, but thankfully it is based on some factual evidence now full disclosure and to nobody's surprise i have no expertise in medicine or or life sciences so any statements i make about this this is just purely my opinion they should not be taken too seriously in any way Um, But my hope is that the Omicron variant is the beginning of a transition from COVID being a pandemic to endemic, meaning that the harmful impact of COVID lessens and becomes something that we can deal with without substantial restrictions, lockdowns, and the potential for overwhelming the healthcare system. Now, I'm not going to get into too much detail here, but based on the data that's available now and also listening to experts, it does seem clear that while Omicron 
is much more transmissible, it is also much less lethal than previous variants such as Delta. Um, the data from South Africa and the UK do appear to support this. Um, so to be clear, I don't think, I do think that Omicron gets much worse from here before it gets better. Um, but between vaccination, natural immunity, and a combination of both, my hope is that the danger of COVID really starts to decline after the first quarter of this year, or at least after the first half of this year. Um, this is somewhat how the 1918 pandemic that killed an estimated 50 million people globally ended. Uh, e enough people eventually developed an immunity um, that it became less severe, and strains of the virus do still exist today, but they're just much less dangerous. Um, so this is my hope. Um, once again, this may be, this is not really a prediction. It's more of a hope and a dream than a prediction. Um, and then, of course, I'll just say again, I'm far from an expert on anything to do with life science or medicine. So don't rely on this commentary in any way. It's really just a hope and a dream. Thank you, Dr. Aaron Dunn. <laughs> I, I just Thank said I was not much. a doctor. <laughs> I was going to nah. say. <laughs> but you play one on TV, right? So... That's good enough for me. No, it's no. I, 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 you know what? You stole my thunder, and I, I really, um, I, um, I, I agree. Like, I, I think that that was my number three prediction here. That COVID, it's not going to end, but you know, we go from endemic to pan or pandemic to endemic. Sorry, and uh, you know, potentially less dangerous uh, variants coupled with high vaccination rates, advancements in in treatment uh, will make it more manageable hopefully through 2022 and we my prediction really was to have a semi-normal Christmas next year where we can have uh, you know just a, a normal amount of people over we don't have any restrictions in place it, it would be great to see and that's what I, you know that's what I would, I would love to see and I, we'd love to see it you know ending obviously I think everybody would love to and maybe it's a hope but um, I think that there is some like Aaron talked about the data there uh, supporting that. And we are slated to interview about 50 companies in California in March and 25 in Vegas in May. So we'd like to, for our clients, be able to get there in person, you know, l proverbial looking management teams in the eye. So hopefully we can get out there and do that this yeah, year. And if I could just add to, um, I also had a similar prediction. I was, uh, you know, I wrote down, I'm going to double down on my prediction from 2021, which was wrong. Uh, and this year, you know, I, again, I'm going to say that the pandemic's end will be in sight by December of 2022. Um, so, you know, I just wanted to add that there since we got them, you know, all off of uh, the plate there together. Brennan, Brennan. Good. We could all be yeah, wrong. Brennan then. is <laughs> learning the rules of success of all forecasters, of all famous forecasters. Mm -hmm. And that's if you keep making the same prediction for long enough, eventually anything becomes yes, true. Precisely. You get to talk about how right you were. Yeah, that's true. Uh, impressive, Brennan. See, you, learning. you're learning. Uh, I'll make my first prediction here. Uh, well, second. The key one was Brennan's dating uh, over the course of this year. Now, I will talk about SPACs again. SPACs broadly will continue to underperform in 2022. Um, I went through some of this, but I'm going to go through it in a little more detail now. SPACs raised a great deal of cash in late 2022 and 2021, or sorry, late 2020 and into 2021. Um, I would caution that broadly valuations for many uh, former why? Well, prior to the IPOs via these SPACs, many investors, private investors, were willing to pay top dollar to buy into these companies in private fundraising rounds in the run-up to their IPOs. Subsequent to the IPOs, which were at even higher or inflated prices, SPAC shares were purchased and moved higher in the public market initially uh, to truly historically high valuations, while some winners will remain i mean broadly here the glut of spacs released in late uh late 2021 and in oh sorry late 2020 and in through 2021 again uh, i believe will perform poorly in 2022 based on the valuations that they essentially went public at and were bid up to uh, so even with a 25 percent broad correction there they're still trading overall at uh, high valuations I think that's a good call. Okay, now um, 
Brennan, do you have a prediction yeah. to start? Yeah, so I'll, this was, is technically my second prediction. Um, so I am going to predict that with fears of inflation and governments around the world beginning to gear toward interest rate hikes, I believe that gold will perform well into 2022 uh, because of its safe haven properties and you know just because of its kind of dismal results or performance in 2022. Uh, one. And just to extend on this, I am putting my money where my mouth is as I do own a couple of stocks that we have under coverage, uh, which have exposure to gold, uh, including that gold miller uh, recommendation, which Ryan touched on earlier on the podcast, as well as a new gold miner recommendation, which actually just came from our new US report uh, released right before Christmas. So gold doing well in 2022. That is my second prediction. It's bold. Thank you. Bold for gold. Yeah. I guess um, there are some that will say if we have, you know, p- the potential for interest rate hikes, uh, that gold may not do well in that type of environment. Although then you could argue if it is a true safe haven, if there's a risk off trade or because of um, the move of rates higher and that spooks the market, people could move into gold. Uh, you could argue it a number of different ways. Uh, but we'll see how that prediction looks at this time next year. Aaron, do you have another prediction I do to have start? Another prediction uh, from an economic perspective. So my second prediction, mm-hmm. which I don't think is particularly bold, um, but the prediction is that inflation will remain a substantial factor in the economic picture through 2022. And just to expand on this, what's important to understand is that not all inflation is the same. So generally, when we talk about inflation due to an overheated economy, we're talking about demand pull inflation. And in this scenario, the economy's hot, there's lots of spending and investment, and this creates high demand for products and services. Companies can't keep up and prices rise. I think that there will be some demand pull inflation in 2022, but what I'm really mostly concerned about is what's referred to as cost push inflation. So this is where prices rise, not necessarily due to high demand, but more so due to higher costs of inputs that go into those products. And we've seen increases in virtually um, every input from metals to energy to labor to supply chain. Um, Supply chain in particular is something that I don't see getting sorted out in 2022. Um, Lack of container ships have been an issue. That's one factor. The industry is building new vessels, um, but from my understanding from listening to the conference calls of these companies is that it's going to be at least another year to two before that segment of the supply chain catches up with demand. And that's only one part of the supply chain. So issues can also be seen in all other areas from container ships to ports to trucking to rail infrastructure and warehousing. Uh, I was just reviewing a conference call from a trucking company yesterday, and the main focus of the entire call seemed to be about how they can't get truck drivers. They're having to turn business away, raise prices, uh, and this labor shortage is being felt across many different industries and not just a few. So wages have been rising. Um, even Even if you look at warehousing, for example, we have coverage on industrial REITs. Um, companies that own industrial warehousing uh, in in North America, which service e-commerce. And surprise, surprise, they're also reporting that supply is extremely tight and rents are rising at a much faster rate than they have in the past. So all of this is inflationary. It's pushing the costs up. Um, Now, not to fear, um, because with challenges and risks also come opportunities. However, I think that there's a lot of talk about central banks raising interest rates in 2022 to help curb inflation. And while likely this will happen to some extent, I don't believe that it is it is an, a solution to the inflation that we're seeing in the market right now. So high rates will help to slow down the economy and deal with the demand pull inflation, but higher rates will have will do very little to deal with issues like supply chain that are increasing prices. Um, now, my guess is that rates will rise um, in 2022, but not as much as central banks are indicating or predicting. Uh, the last thing that they want to do is kill economic growth and still have inflation. Now, this this doesn't mean that I'm, I'm bearish on the stock market in general. There's still a lot of capital circulating out there that needs to find a home. Uh, investors need to decide where that capital goes. And there's also a lot of great companies out there that are providing essential products and services and also solutions to problems that the world faces. 
and they're going to be able to generate profitability from that. They're going to be able to grow and add value to their to their investors. So we're looking at some very interesting opportunities in the market right now. And in spite of my concerns about inflation, I am very optimistic that smart investors can continue to find opportunities to grow their wealth over the next one to three years and beyond that as well. So my comment in that first off is that Aaron is not allowed to go first next year. He keeps stealing my thunder oh, here. Um <laughs> Now, like I said, yeah, and my next prediction was inflection will be huge for market focus in, or inflation. Not inflation. You know, I got inflation will be computer, right? So. Yeah, probably. Yeah, we don't actually share with each other our predictions till like two seconds before the show here, so we didn't really know we do that. So you know, try not to have groupthink, but apparently we have it anyways. Um, but uh, no, anyways, I was going to talk about almost the same things. I I guess I could narrow down my prediction, which is slightly different. Well, slightly, but just narrowing down the prediction would be rate hikes uh, in. 20 there's been much talk of that for 2022 i think they will be more bark than bite uh like aaron said it's going to be difficult to move rates too far too fast and they may not even address some of the issues that are producing inflation and if you move them too far too fast that can derail the economy so i think there'll be more talk than actual meaningful rate hikes i I wouldn't be surprised to see one or two but I, i i would say that you know they're coming off historic low levels moving up you know a point or two is not really that meaningful overall it will be more bark than bite because i don't think you can raise rates too fast or too far uh seeing as the you know some of the debt levels that you see out there right now and how that could affect people and affect the economy generally well said well said you know that my segment was just basically me typing out a conversation that i had with ron yesterday so (laughs) <laughs> that's probably exactly what it was that's the issue uh now now so brennan do you have another yes, or do we uh, yeah my third yeah. prediction so you I, got 500 predictions yeah here, i got a lot you? i got that's, a lot uh, yeah, uh, yeah that's true uh so i my third prediction is small cap stocks will perform better in 2022 than they did in 2021 uh so i want to use the performance of the russell 2000 in 2021 as a benchmark which produced a return of about 1.7 percent so i believe the russell will exceed this performance in 2022 you know even if it puts up 1.8 percent i'm still going to uh count that as a win uh and then on top of that uh i'm also going to like this is just kind of along with it i believe that cannabis stocks will have a better year in 2022 Um, As many listeners know, uh, in 2021, uh, small cap stocks and cannabis stocks didn't do that well uh, for various reasons, but I think that both will have a better year in 2022. Yeah, and and uh, I mean you could see that. I mean the the second half of the year was I mean like we talked about this a number of times. There was a, a real stealth correction in the markets, particularly small mid cap companies in the U.S. and in Canada where you saw the exchange being powered by, you know, the FANG stocks or whatever we want to call that group these days with all the name changes powered forward, uh, propping up the index itself where you saw, you know, you know, you look through those SPAC companies, you know, the average decline was over 50%. I mean, you saw that in many of the high flying tech names, not named FANG from the FANG group. uh, and, And you saw that in the Canadian markets as well. If you look at the TFX Venture Index over the second half of this year, significant declines, even despite the fact that you had higher energy prices, uh, which you know is part of the exchange, and higher base metal prices, which you know there's a lot of oil and gas and uh, exploration and development companies on the base metal side that would have been performing well, but the overall index not performing too well in the second half of the year. So an outperformance over the course of this year. I would think that you'd be skewed more towards the quality small cap and mid cap names that you'd be looking at, uh, companies with good balance sheets, good cash flow. Um, and that's where we're looking for some opportunities now when we're doing that full sweep of the uh, Toronto and the TSX Venture and looking at companies that have good balance sheets that can potentially take advantage of some other businesses that went on sale and either purchase those businesses or purchase private businesses and grow that way uh, throughout 2022. Okay, now I'm going to make another prediction here. 
I'm just looking at my prediction here. Now, I think that the removal of stimulus from world central banks and governments will impede growth, and the markets will face periods periodically of significant volatility in 2022, correction periods that will lead to some value opportunities uh, over the long term. And I think the markets, uh, when some of the stimulus continues to be removed, uh, and you could see some, you know, a potential interest rate hike when that headline news comes out, uh, you could see some volatility and perhaps some correction periods over the course of this year that will lead to some babies getting thrown out with the bathwater, and we'll be looking to kind of strike on some names that we really want to buy over the long term when they come sa- over on sale at uh, periodic points in 2022. Well, let's hope that we're able to find some great opportunities in 2022, and I'm, I'm confident that we will. Yes, I think we will. Do you have any more predictions, Aaron, for the year? More. Are you done? Oh, and you this do? Is my awesome. Go. prediction of the year. <laughs> oh, I like right. it already. So, this is, this is, you know, it might surprise you, but I am predicting in 2022 that Brennan's debate loss rate will decline below 75%. That means that he Ooh. will win more than 25% of his debates in 2022. Bold. I like it. I, I like it. I know. It actually makes me proud, so why, I think, why I think do you I know, think this? in this yes. case. Why do I think this? Well, okay. First of all, let's say, you know, Brennan has a lot of issues, right? And <laughs> we're not going to cover them all. I mean, that's not that's not an entire podcast episode. That's a podcast series unto itself, right? So we're just going to talk about one in particular. Um, one thing that I have been critical of Brennan with respect to his podcast debates is that he has to pick his fights better. And I think that I discussed this with him on the podcast after one of the debates. So many times through the year, Ryan and myself, we've let Brennan pick his side for against. So we have a company. Mm-hmm. We know who we're going to debate. Um, usually there's there's a side that's you know stronger. There's an easier argument to make. And we've given the choice to Brennan to pick the side that he wants to debate from. Um, are you saying he's too Brennan nice? He's always made the worst possible choice. It's <laughs> <laughs> right. just that. Okay. So but the, 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 the good point to that is that there's room for improvement here, right? So um, I think we all know, anybody who's been listening to the podcast will know, I like to bash Brennan as much as the next guy. Um, but I will say, I will go out and say that Brennan, he's very capable, he's hardworking, and he's, he's an intelligent person. Um, and you know what? This is true because if he wasn't, he would not be working at Keystone. Right. So we know that that's true. So at some point I'm looking at this and I think like if Brennan's performance doesn't improve, then I have to consider this my own failing for not properly Mm. guiding and mentoring this young person so he can become a better version of himself. So that's what I'm committed to doing this year. And I think that Brennan is going to is going to show improvement in the debates. Yes, Ron. Can I give you another take on why I think that Brennan may win more than uh, one out of four this year, essentially? Well, there's a potential for bringing on another analyst on here. So then Brennan could be facing that analyst in a debate and uh, he may have the leg okay. up nice. on, okay. on, on, a junior, on a junior person coming in. So if we do that over the course of this year, if we bring another one of Keystone's analysts on, uh, potentially Brennan can uh, up his record by uh, beating on the new guy. What if he beats me every single time, though? <laughs> well, then we're really then. <laughs> I'm going to have to take back some of the... We're just... All we're saying is more than one in four. That's all yes, we're saying. Yes. So just just yeah. saw off with that guy or girl. The, the, female. The, yes. The, Could be both. Either way. The funny thing is that, you know, if, if Ryan and I are, are judging all these debates, we also have to make the decision, like, what's going to be more comedy? Brennan winning some yes. of these debates or losing every debate against or the Brennan new Brennan getting beat by the low yep. low person on the table. It would be pretty ball. funny, let's be honest. Oh, yeah. yes, it would. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe I mean, for in interest of comedy, let's just have Brennan never win a debate <laughs> ever. Yeah. Uh, now, okay, I'm going to make another prediction here. Now, despite a, sell, a stellar record with nary a loss in the last nine games since Bruce Boudreau coaching at uh, the coaching change, the Canucks, my Canucks, under a new regime, will actually be sellers at this year's trade deadline, eschewing ownerships, short-term playoff aspirations, and looking to build a sustainable winner to 
to five years down the road. This is likely wishful thinking on my part, but I'm just going to put that out there. And I hope that happens over the course of this year. Me too. It'd be awesome. You don't care. I, I do care. <laughs> you don't care. Aaron, Aaron will care when they really start winning again. Then he'll be back on board. You he's, know he's me gonna so jump well, back right? on. I'm us. just yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I mean, it's it's you know, it's great to see some wins. I just want a sustainable winner, and I am hoping some of the tough work that has to be done that may be unpopular in the short term to build a long term winner comes. Uh, if nothing is done. And you're not selling some of the now for the future. They're in such cap difficulty, really. And these are the things I look at uh, when I'm not looking at stocks. Um, they'll basically be a, the same team next year. They'll be a perpetual bubble playoff team in the murky middle. I hate the murky middle. I want to be at the front. And uh, some, you know, some tough decisions that may be not good for the short term have to be made. About eight, nine years of not doing that. Um, you know, for the long term, let's make those tough decisions. That's my well, prediction my for, for GM, the Canucks. Yes, yeah. I know. I just it just appoint me right now. You know, what we got to do is make enough money this year that we can just buy the Canucks, and then we can just make our own decisions because it's always good when ownership is involved a mm-hmm. ton, right? So, especially ownership I, that you know has never really been has no experience yes, actually true. running a professional mm-hmm. hockey team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's true. That's what we'd like to do. Yeah, and I just want to add before okay. we uh, we move on there, you said that I don't care. Well, you know what? A happy boss makes for happy employees. And let's just say with uh, 2021, Some- um, it, it was a tough year at Keystone. It was a tough year for uh, for the employees because... Uh- oh, the ranting. Although, you know, <laughs> it's funny because I got to tell a story. One of my Christmas gifts this year, I, I, I mean, this is going to go about, there's a lot of... People, investors, clients on this call that aren't following the Canucks closely, but they've had a GM, uh, Jim Benning, who is an ex-Canuck. They had him. He was dismissed in December, but uh, he was the bane of my existence over the past uh, eight years. And um, this year at Christmas, I unwrapped a gift that my daughter had uh, got for me it, with, the, with the help of Candice, obviously. But um, it, you know, it was one of those gifts that you unwrap a package, then there's another package. And I got through eight of them, and finally inside, I get a signed Jim Benning rookie card uh, when he was uh, a member of the Canucks, and it's actually signed by Jim Benning. And uh, it was just, I opened it, and the only reason I could take it was because he'd been dismissed between the time that they had purchased that and wrapped it up and put it in there because at the time he was still the GM. If it was there, I would have lit it on fire immediately. <laughs> oh, it would have but been now so good I've if framed it. Sign him to a to a five year contract. Oh god, that <laughs> just would have. Anyway, so I could handle it, and now it's framed and up on the wall, uh, sitting there. And the sad thing is, his signed Ricky card was worth about three dollars. So at least <laughs> they didn't have to spend enough, which should tell you a lot yeah. about the value of that GM. Anyways. One of my big uh, wishes of the year that they could change management to a more competent team has gone forward. So that's enough on that. Brennan, I know you have 55 other predictions you need to get to. So let's get to at least one of those. Yeah. And and maybe we'll cut it at that. So this is, that sounds good. That sounds good. Uh, So my fourth prediction, and this is a bit of a flyer. And for my Saskatchewan locals, I know there's probably uh, just a couple of you guys listening. Um, but my prediction literally is literally our listenership just dropped by 90% right at that moment probably, when you said that probably. for my Saskatchewan. Yeah. But, you know, I know there's a couple I'll out there. I know there's a couple out there. Uh, and my prediction is I, oh, there's thousands. I believe that Rio Tinto will announce a new discovery and plan to advance a diamond mine in Saskatchewan dur- during 2022. So th- the reason I believe this is Rio Tinto, which is the third largest diamond miner in the world behind De Beers and Russia's El Rosa, had only two operational diamond mines at the beginning of 2020. Uh, they had Argyle, which was located in Australia, which actually closed during 2022 or 2020. Uh, and then also uh, Diavec, uh, which is located in the Northwest Territories, which is expected to cease production in 2025. Um, so they have said that they want to stay and remain in the diamond space. Um, so they need supply in the future. Now, right now, the company has only one advanced diamond exploration project on their books, which is the Falcon Project, located just 40 kilometers east of where I grew up in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. So given Rio's diamond supply coming to an end in 2025, along with the time lag between developing the necessary infrastructure for a mine in Saskatchewan, 
I believe they will need to push ahead with the project and will announce a discovery. Again, this is quite the flyer, uh, but uh, yeah, I think that I'm, I'm optimistic that that will happen for uh, the Saskatchewan economy, and I think that it will be great uh, for uh, Saskatoon and Prince Albert and uh, uh, yeah, just Saskatchewan in general. Um, so I think, go on. which is great oh, for yeah. Canada in general, right? That is true. For sure. Well, and and I think it's great for Brennan because word has it that Brennan is looking to purchase a diamond during 2020 <laughs> and put a ring on Don't it. Don't get ahead of yourself. He's going to try to put a ring on it and he wants the supply of diamonds to increase so the prices come down. So it's all really in your own interest, is it not? Wow. Were you, did you have that written down? Were you planning for that? That's... Quick on your no, toes. that just came out. Quick on your toes. How, I, I don't know your predictions. I don't know your predictions, but that just came out. And, and the bottom line is, now you have to tell her to listen to this show. I don't know about that. Um, You'll never hear from her. Thankfully, is involved that. in the editing process. So, you know, that is true. That is true. Head <laughs> yes. out whatever he does. Uh, um, so am I the only one with uh, more uh, predictions here? Should I just rifle uh, through mine? Uh, well, I don't know. What do you think, Ryan? We've we've had quite a few. We've had kind of, do you do you have one more that you really want to get? The out? only one, yes. I am going to win the basketball draft that I am in, taking home the glory and four hundred and fifty dollars in cash. I'm currently tied for first place in the league, uh, which consists of twelve of my friends, and I am almost guaranteed to make it to the playoffs as long as my team stays healthy, of course. Um, so yeah, uh, more to come on that. Stay tuned. I've heard stories about your 12 friends, and if you can't beat them, then you really should uh, look, look, look at... Uh, uh, They're quite the characters. They're quite the characters. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to hold my words. No, you, I'm sure you have a great friend group, and if you can beat them, you got the bragging rights yep. for 2022. You bet. That would be great. All right, that's gonna. Well, we do have our your stock, our take. Do we not? Yeah, we to can just tag fly on to the end of this. this. You might as well uh, spit that out, and then we can uh, wish everybody. I'm gonna wish everybody because everybody's just gonna drop off at this point. But I'm gonna wish everyone a happy new year. And Brennan's gonna get to fire and flower a listener question that came in this week, and uh, we don't want to not answer the questions that come in. It's time we answer a question on your stock in a little segment we like to call your stock our take buy sell or hold you bet uh so this came in from mark and it's a uh, fire and flower holdings corp faf on the tsx uh currently trading at a price of about four dollars and eighty cents and has a market cap of 182 million dollars so fire and flower is a leading technology powered adult use cannabis retailer with 102 corporate owned stores in its network uh, most of these stores are in alberta and ontario uh, a few key points here is the company has a strategic partnership with Kush Tart Inc., which uh, is the owner of Circle K stores. Uh, Fire and Flower says that it will be utilizing Circle K's existing lease footprint to expand the co-location program across Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba in 2022. The company recently secured a $30 million debt facility through Kushtard, uh, which will help fuel the company's growth strategy, so that's good. They recently acquired Pineapple Express, which is a cannabis industry logistics provider, completing more than 40,000 deliveries per month to recreational and medical cannabis customers across Canada. So you can get cannabis right to your doorstep. And uh, importantly, on November 29th, 2021, the company announced a 10 for one share consolidation. Uh, as a result of the consolidation, the company's 358 million shares issued and outstanding prior to the consolidation have been reduced to approximately 35.8 million shares. And management said this is a step towards the company's US expansion and to advance its NASDAQ listing. So looking at the company's recent financial results for Q3 of 2021, uh, revenue was up 37% to $45.4 million compared to the same quarter last year. Uh, the company is still losing money. The net loss was $2 million compared to a loss of $25.7 million in Q3 of 2020. Uh, on an adjusted basis, the company reported its sixth consecutive quarter of positive adjusted EBITDA, which came in at $2.1 million and was a 5% increase year over year. Uh, the balance sheet is healthy with $16.5 million in cash, uh, debt of $2.4 million, providing net cash of about $14.1 million. And on a valuation basis, the company trades with a trailing enterprise value to EBITDA multiple of 28 times and a price to sales multiple of about 1.1 times sales. Um, so my take here, 
As many listeners know, and like I said earlier on the podcast, cannabis stocks were decimated over the 2021 fiscal year with Fire and Flower stock down over 45%, retracing all gains that it had made in 2020. Overall, the business is reasonably attractive. Uh, They are well positioned to execute on its growth strategy with a healthy balance sheet, a strategic partnership with Circle K, a brand new $30 million credit facility, and a recent share consolidation, which places them on track to list on the NASDAQ and expand into the US. Uh, Fundamentally, the business is strong with good revenue growth and adjusted profitability, despite the lack of reported earnings, of course. Uh, Plus, the stock trades with reasonable valuation multiples, considering its potential runway for growth. But my primary concerns that I have is how the company plans on diluting shareholders into the future, as uh, their track record isn't so great here. They uh, they did issue a lot of shares in the past. Um, Plus, it would be nice if they could enter... Uh, profit on a net income basis moving forward, you know, rather than just that uh, adjusted EBITDA profitability. So all in all, I believe if someone is bullish on the cannabis space in 2022 and beyond, I believe the stock could potentially offer some value. But of course, I have to say, and clients know, we like another multi-state cannabis operator in the U.S., which we believe offers better growth at a reasonable price. Thank you for that. That'll close out the show. Any final uh, predictions or, sorry, any final comments on 22 looking forward, Aaron, from you? Just that I think it's going to be an exciting year uh, one way or another. Um, As I said, we're working on a lot of the research, um, you know, some of that in areas that we've covered in the past, like technology. We're doing a little bit more even on the commodity side. Um, just so that people have access to some ideas there. Um, so it's it's you know it's I'm I'm excited I'm excited for the year. Yeah, I'm excited to put out that research for our clients as well. Uh, there can be some volatility, but again, we're looking two to three years out on most of our uh, individual investments that we're looking at building that 15 to 25 stock portfolio systematically over a 12 to 24 month period. And, and looking at good companies. And that's what we're going to try and endeavor to do uh, throughout 2022. And we hope to bring you that research and will bring you that research uh, uh, over the course of this year. I'd like to thank you for sending your questions for your stock card take. Ask us anything. If you want us to compare two companies, send them in and we'll do that over the course of this year. Have those debates, get Brennan's winning percentage up. And as always, I'd like to... I encourage you to rate us and review us on iTunes and wish you profitable investing in 2022. Happy New Year, everyone. Profitable investing. Happy New Year. Thanks, everyone. Happy New Year.